Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Mental Health Monday! Oh, hello there and welcome back to another Mental Health Monday. My name is Riggs from 103.7 KISS FM in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Putting the men in mental health. That should be my new slogan because I enjoy talking to men about mental health. Men are the worst at dealing with their feelings. You know this, men. And women, if you're listening, you know this about your man too. Now, about a year ago, I came across a documentary. I just read an article about it called Hone Alone. H-O-A-N Alone. As in the Hone Bridge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Milwaukee's Daniel Hone Memorial Bridge. It's like the iconic piece of architecture downtown Milwaukee. You can see it over Summerfest. You can see it when you're driving downtown. And it's a beautiful ride into the city. Unfortunately, the bridge has a very dark side. It's a popular site for suicides. And since the year 2000, there have been 30 reported suicides off of that bridge. So I had read all about Hone Alone. I knew what it was about, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Aaron Johnson finally released Hone Alone to the general public on YouTube and all the platforms just a month or so ago. And it's not only getting amazing reviews locally, but it's critically acclaimed internationally. I had so many questions for Aaron. How did he find these three stories? Because in the eight and a half minute film, touches on the issues of the bridge and suicide through three intimate interviews, three separate people. How did he find these people? What's Aaron's connection to suicide and depression? What inspired him to make this film? How long did it take him to make it? He drew it by hand, the whole thing, the whole eight and a half minute film. You know what? Go ahead and pause this podcast. I've put the link to the film in the description of this podcast. Go check it out for yourself. It's only eight and a half minutes long, I promise. And even if you know if you want to wait and watch it afterwards, that's cool too. But it may have a little more context if you watch the film first and then listen to my discussion with Aaron Johnson. He works at Plum Media in downtown Milwaukee. He does animation and filmmaking. He's a really smart guy. So I swung by the Plum Studios and I had a conversation with him. And he's my guest this week for Mental Health Monday. What drew you to the bridge personally? Like, was it, did you say you drove by somebody one day or was it just? Yes, that's what started it. I live in Oak Creek and then have worked downtown. So probably about 10 years I've commuted daily over the bridge. That's a beautiful drive, by the way. Absolutely. It's one of the, one of the yeah, most scenic great. drives in Milwaukee. It's Absolutely. Coming right over that bridge, you see the downtown, you see the lake, everything. It's, it's Yeah, it's very dramatic coming in. Yeah. And then, I, but I never thought of it as a place where suicides were being attempted or happening. That was not on my radar. And until in 2017, uh, once in April and once in August, where I literally drove by somebody on the other side of that half wall, facing the other way, ready to jump. And the first time in April, um, the police were already blocking the ramps and closing off uh, traffic to the bridge, but I was one of the last cars, if not the last car, led over. It was a very eerie situation because I didn't know what was going on until I got to the top of that bridge and there was no traffic, which is strange from the top of that bridge. And then I saw this young young lady on the other side of the wall and a gentleman up there counseling her. And it's a really helpless feeling to drive past that within feet of that situation going on and not doing anything about it and just driving by. Obviously, that situation stuck with me. But then I was coming home for a Brewer game in August of that same year, 
And same thing, I drove over the bridge. It's not very well lit on top of the bridge. So it's kind of dark up there, but I noticed some cars off to the side. And as I got to the top of the bridge, I noticed a, an older gentleman, again, on the other side of the half wall, facing out towards the city. And there were already some people there. And in that situation, I told myself, well, there's already people here. Uh, they're doing something about it. What more can I do about it? And again, I drove by. Right. And then I released this idea of what it, what would happen if it was a third time and what would I do? And that's when I really realized to myself that I was ill-equipped for this. I didn't understand uh, what these people were going through or what would drive them to be, get to that point. And I'm like a lot of people where I know people who've died by suicide, relatives, uh, co-workers, friends. But I haven't had that super firsthand lived experience. Um, Knowing someone personally. Right. And so I thought this was, could be an interesting perspective because I, I would hope and believe that there's more people like me out there than on the other side. So more people that haven't been directly affected by a, a suicide. And I think that's part of the part of the issue is that people who aren't necessarily firsthand involved with these things also need to be need to become aware and kind of get an understanding of what's going on. Well, it goes back to it doesn't affect you until it affects you. Right. You know, yeah. you don't think about cancer until you have somebody die from cancer in your family. Absolutely. Uh, and the suicide mental health didn't matter to me until I, my uncle died by suicide in July of 2017. And then I lost two more friends after I started the mental health, you know, my, my passion for mental health and suicide prevention. When did you actually put this together because I've heard of it for a while and it took me a while to even find it. So when when did you actually do this Hone Alone movie? I made it from April 2018 into the first week of June 2018. So it was about two months, maybe slightly over two months of of my spare time that I put on making this film. And then uh, I made the film for myself, for me to find and learn more about something I need to learn more about. Which was depression and suicide? Absolutely. Uh, Depression, suicide, mental health, uh, and how this related to the the bridge itself. So after I finished the film, I I didn't show it to anybody. I completed it because I wanted to take the angle that this is my experience, this is me following this story, these are my observations and mine alone because for better or for worse, the responsibility needed to land back on my shoulders. So if you didn't like it or you hated it or I, I misrepresented somebody, it's just me. Yeah. So I finished it. The only people who had seen it were uh, my friend Lawton who did the music on it. Uh, my wife saw it and then I showed it to one coworker. And he was the guy that suggested, you know, film festivals. And at first I wasn't, eh, film festivals, not for this particular project because film festivals, this is the scene. You make a film, you spend money entering all these film festivals. The chances of even getting accepted by a film festival are really slim because there's a lot of independent filmmaking going on oh, yeah. internationally. They're like it's, podcasts, they're everywhere. It's it's very competitive. Yeah. So it's a lot of money. And I, this whole project was a passion project of mine, so personally financed. So I wasn't so hip on like dropping a bunch of money entering film festivals. But I thought about it for a little while and it made sense that this was a film that probably needed to be seen with live audience live audiences. Yeah. So then after the film, the conversation can continue, either amongst the audience or through Q&A or they go home and they word of mouth whatever it is. So instead of the film just being finished and immediately launched on YouTube, Facebook, video, YouTube, right? It's just going to get lost in a feed and then gone. Well, that, you've sent me a press release and I think 11 of those pages, I think, were just 
yeah. awards and recognition for this film, Home it's, Alone, which it's, it's incredible. I, I I understand as a filmmaker the odds of this happening, and they're quite slim. But it's been in over ninety film festivals, uh, seven countries, I think probably around 30 awards and you said this yeah, i mean did this just start on its own it just kind of gained momentum and someone passed it along and it went through word of mouth you have to check this out this is an amazing film because you spent six weeks making this eight and a half minute film right and you say more in this eight and a half minutes than some people say in like two hour movies two hour films and documentaries We're, i feel yes yeah, and that was intentional because i understand as a filmmaker and a storyteller that you know attention spans are getting shorter and shorter yes. and how do you reach people and for me, it was an experimentation on how to tell these very powerful stories in a short amount of time. At first you think, gosh, that's impossible. But no, there's a way of doing it. And and the proof is in commercials. Like people have seen some pretty profound, emotional, 30 seconds, and even one minute commercials. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. And so here was a way for me to experiment how I could do that. In a short, and also with a short amount of production time, uh, the two months of from beginning to end and that included me going into this project with no leads or knowledge in what I was about to explore oh that six weeks that includes you researching finding the guests yes. and doing the interviews and everything and I made it as I went it was almost like an improvisational film because when I started production I didn't know what the tone what this film was going to be like normally you make a film like a documentary you go out you interview all your subject subjects you have hours of footage and you sit down and you carve a story out of that I would go and interview one person come back, edit the interview, and then start drawing, start animating right away. At the same time, researching where's that next interview? What's that next story? Yeah. Not knowing. Um, so it was it was exciting, but also nerve-wracking, um, but it, it really came together quite organically. And I'm super lucky that I found these three incredible stories, and each of them speak to a different aspect of the issue. Uh-huh. And what I've learned now since it spent a year in the film festivals, and now just recently I released it on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn, anywhere I could, where I could just post it for free and everybody have access at it. Yeah. How do you feel about the Hone Bridge as far as, I mean, I know the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, obviously one of the biggest in the country. Right. And I've talked to uh, Sergeant Kevin Briggs, who was one of the guys that have talked many people off of that bridge from suicide. And they recently, I think they're in the process of putting up the nets and things Correct. like that. They also have call boxes. They have the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They have at least some last ditch things there for people that are in that hopeless moment. Do you think that we could use something like that on the Hone Bridge? Have you thought about pursuing that or heard about people pursuing that? Having just a sign, having a callback, having something at a, I mean, 30 suicides since 2000. Yeah. And that number's probably on the low side. Yeah. And that doesn't include... Unreported. Right. And it doesn't include uh, people who were intervened or talked down. Mm-hmm. It doesn't include uh, people who uh, unfortunately jumped and survived too. You know, and so or jumped and were never found. Exactly. So it is a big issue. I, um, do I think things can be done? Absolutely. And I think that's a frustrating part is because I'll tour with this film at film festivals in other cities, and that question always comes up: is what's being done about it? And the honest answer is really nothing's really being done about it. And there's a lot of politics involved. Um, there have been many groups who've petitioned to have something done, everything mm-hmm. from signs to barriers. Certainly there's a solution. What I think is interesting is other municipalities, if there's a traffic accident at an intersection or anywhere on the street, oftentimes they'll re-engineer the entire intersection or street so that one accident doesn't happen again. Right. And then here you have a small epidemic happening on a major landmark and 
nothing, at least that we see, is happening. And it is a drain on our resources. Yeah. I would always think if there wasn't water under the bridge and you just had bodies piling up, yeah. it would be a much different scenario. Yeah. And they said that often in San Francisco and they didn't want to do it because it was aesthetically displeasing mm-hmm. to, a, to a landmark. Right. But you're saving people's lives as you're going about it. Do you yourself have, you know, deal with depression or anxiety or any sort of mental health on your own as a, as a man? Because a lot of men don't talk about it. Do you have any of that on your own that you... I don't. Maybe. And that's why I thought this was a very interesting su- subject to explore because, uh, to be honest, a lot of that was very foreign to me. Yeah. And that's when I realized, like, hmm, but I'm part of the problem then. If I don't have an understanding, and I, I won't necessarily that I had a lot of negative connotations like a lot of people do, but not having... Um, positive connotations what's is it the same thing who knows so it was it was a good experience for me to go into this and have my eyes opened and meet these people and hear their stories and then certainly since the film's been done in um the different groups that i've invited been invited to speak for and show the film and panel discussions and qpr training and all i mean i've learned a lot in the last year alone even after the film's been made so what's the number one thing that you've taken away from this film like what it's the one i've heard a lot of people that have seen it i've read the comments on your youtube people are saying that you know just one word yeah just reaching out and saying something small um always assuming that you're the only one to reach out to somebody is another thing that people kind of take from your film what's one thing that you took as the filmmaker as the director the producer the the everything behind Hone Alone. What did you take away personally from this? Yeah, I would agree with that idea that these simple gestures that you can make with a complete stranger and how that can profoundly just change their lives. And it's it's kindness. It's simple things, but unfortunately, a lot of that's in short supply these days. And and there's times that we we need to be reminded of these things. I'm not inventing anything new here, but I think I'm able to show it in maybe a different way and in a different medium Uh, that people aren't used to seeing. And so hopefully you can kind of catch people off guard. I have heard that the the fact that it's animated has really taken people's guards down. It It made them more receptive to sitting through eight and a half minutes about a difficult subject matter, which is great. And that was one of my intents with the medium is that animation has several uh, advantages. And I'm biased because I'm an animator. But one is that it lends itself to anonymity. So you're going to these people, having them tell their most personal stories. And certainly there's going to be people who aren't comfortable being in front of a camera, much less, you know, having their likeness revealed in any way. Well, as an animator, you can go in, you can design these people, you could change their, and hide, conceal their identity if need be. Yeah. The other thing with animation is you strip down all the unnecessary details. So oftentimes we watch live action or we look at a photo of somebody and we're distracted by all the details that are there. The pores on the face, the misplaced hair, like all those things. And with animation, you strip all that away and you just go with like, what are the things that are telling the story? And what are the mannerisms to pick up on? You know, maybe it's somebody's eyes. Maybe it's the hand gesture. Somebody talks with their hands. So you focus on that. And then uh, I'll, I think that allows people to project then into those characters that they see on screen more people that they know instead of being distracted by a live action person that you see. So I always make this analogy that they're kind of iconic like uh, a men's room and a woman's restroom sign. Yeah. Certainly they don't look like people we know, but we project into those symbols what we think a man or a woman sure. is. How did those people react to 
you revealing that to them I'm sure that their likenesses and how they were portrayed yeah. in this film those three people how did they react well once again I, I didn't show any of them the film when it was finished and so most of them saw it when it premiered at the Milwaukee Short Film Festival uh, which would have been in the beginning of September of 2018 uh, and fortunately they were all very pleased with it they were very happy uh, they felt that it was a great representation of their stories etc etc so that was a relief for me yeah hearing back from these people what's next for you are you going to continue this journey is there going to be something else that you have in the in the works is this I, is mental health going to continue to be a passion for yours and suicide prevention well a couple of things yes i want to continue uh, I have a short list of ideas and projects that I'd like to pursue. This film has taken on a life of its own, it so has. I feel that I owe it the responsibility to see it through and be there. Uh, I, like I said, I just released it online like two weeks ago, and people are commenting, and it's being spread around. I want to make sure that I'm there to represent myself, or if there are questions, to be there and, and continue it as a, a positive message and make sure that it doesn't get... Um, misrepresent it yeah um and then plus when you work on these things like i said it took me two months which is like breakneck speed of my spare time so when i made it i had to tell my wife and kids i'm checking out for a while yes like i'll be here on the couch drawing but mentally i won't be here and so that's a big commitment so before i jump into something too deep um one of the ideas that i'm toying around with and i have been doing some research and meeting with some people is possibly interviewing uh, human trafficking um, survivors again at a local level and again of course there's going to be a mental health aspect to this absolutely so that's one that I've been um, contemplating it's another important topic as well absolutely and it has a lot of the same issues yeah stigmas stigmas. that's right that's yeah lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. our our ignorance to how prevalent it is in our own backyard too absolutely because between here and chicago is one of the biggest highways for that that people don't even think about yeah and that it happens everywhere it's not just city it's rural it's every yeah and i'm contemplating just going out and starting interviewing people and helping tell their stories and not not concern myself with is this going to be a short film? Is this going to be a feature film? Is this going to be what? No, th- that won't matter. It's just to be me going and finding these stories and then helping them tell their stories. Sure. Shining the light on things. Yeah, to need- a, a wider audience. Well, thank you for shining the light on suicide and depression. That's, that's one that's important to me and important to a lot of people. And I know your film has moved a lot of people. And I'm sure it's just the beginning because it's a very powerful film. And I'm putting the link to it in this description. I hope that more people watch it, more people share it. And uh, I applaud you for your efforts. Well, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Aaron Johnson, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks again to my guest this week, Aaron Johnson, for taking the time to discuss his film, Hone Alone. If you didn't watch it before the interview, well, you should you should totally watch it now. I put the link in the description of this very podcast. So all you have to do is scroll down to the description and uh, give it a click-ski. And while you're down there in that whole general podcast area, if you wouldn't mind giving a nice little review or maybe just three or four stars or, I don't know, can you do five stars? That'd be super grand. It makes me feel good to see nice feedback and it's nice to know that people are actually listening to Mental Health Monday. That inspires me to do more. And you know what? Be honest. If for some reason you didn't like it, you think it's dumb, you think I should do more, you think I should ask better questions. You got an input? I like feedback. I can take it. I'm a tough guy. I got tough skin. Mostly. Be gentle. <laughs> Thanks again for checking out another episode of Mental Health Monday. It's a Rigs Off the Radio production. Have a great weekend, afternoon, night, whatever you're doing. And remember, 
make good life decisions.